Hello and welcome to Counterpressed on The Ringer and Spotify. It's day one of the 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup. I'm in the studio with Jilly Flatty and Becky Taylor-Gill. Guys, it's day one of many. We're going to be here nearly every day of the World Cup. Um, Back-to-back shows coming up. But let's start on day one because... I know we, we've been talking about some of the time zones not being great for this tournament, et cetera, et cetera. But 8 a.m. breakfast football... Lovely morning. ...doesn't get much better than that, Jilly. Yeah, but I also realised that is it tomorrow that there's an even earlier kickoff? Yeah, then? let's not talk about the 2.30 or 3.30 yeah. a.m. I didn't even realise that that was even going on. But for the real, like, you know, heads, that could be a afters sesh <laughs> football viewing. You could be out. And all then night like, roll through should to the just, footy. Should we just carry on yeah. from after after the pot? Maybe we should. I mean, we would feel absolutely terrible, but we could do. I that. already feel terrible from one cider and greasy food in the <laughs> Irish bar that we watched Australia Ireland in. So. Well, so let's go. Let's go on to that. So we woke up this morning, enjoyed. What time did you wake up? I woke up six forty-five for no reason. Just very excited. I was so excited. It was like Christmas Day. I was so ready. So I woke up at 6.45, was doing some scrolling, so ready for the 8 o'clock kickoff. Went on to the BBC stream, annoyingly couldn't find the one with the ceremony. I was just getting pundit chat. Then managed to find the iPlayer stream with the actual opening ceremony, which was really nice. I enjoyed it. Rewound and then got ready for the big match. But then we came in, wanted to watch the game here. We won't go into why we couldn't watch the game in here. But we ended up going to... Philomena's, a great, great Irish pub in Covent Garden in London. And we watched Ireland, Australia with a bunch of legends. Yeah, we made pals. A few Irish lads who'd come in um, from work, various different people. Many Guinnesses with laptops open on the table. Many Guinnesses were had. I limited myself to one, but they had probably about three or four. A few random cameos. A guy I used to work with strolled in randomly. Then My friend Sophie. A friend of Becky's came in with a few colleagues. It was really a who's who of legends. It was great. And they also had the cricket on in the other room, so it was just like sport upon sport upon sport. We wish you were there, Jilly. It would have been great. It would have been another legend coming in, wouldn't it? (laughs) We would have clapped you in. Like, here we go. England legend, Jilly Flatty. Um, You had a bit of a train strike slash, you know, busy gal doing Lionesses Live this morning. So, um, yeah, but it's it was fun to start the World Cup off nice and early, actually. And I know, so I know that I shouldn't be, like, impressed when men know things about women's football, <laughs> but, like, I still kind of am. Like, they were really nice, these they Irish girls. Up. And they knew so much. They, they obviously, like, watch it. And I was just like, that's really nice. And they said that they would be out there if it wasn't The bar is in hell stuff. for me. I'm like, you oh, just have to meant, know... When you said bar, I thought you meant that literal bar. And I thought, oh, no, that's harsh. Heaven, heaven. heaven I mean, sorry. the bar for men yeah, is, is, is really low. Because I was just like, wow, he knows who Mary Fowler is. Great. I'm sure we'll be back at Philomena's at some point during the tournament when we're in London before we go out to Australia. So if you do want to join us, then, you know, please stop by. Uh, we may or may not be there. We are obviously going to be here throughout the World Cup, giving you tons and tons of content. We're going to be doing sometimes daily updates, a lot of podcasts, a lot of fun will be had. So we cannot wait. Um, Before we get going on today's show, we obviously need to talk about the really heartbreaking events that happened in the early hours of Thursday morning in Auckland. Two people died and uh, around six were injured in a really terrifying, terrifying shooting in the city centre. 
Ali Riley told us when we spoke to her recently about how proud New Zealand are to be hosting this event and how they are such a tight-knit, close community over there. So we know that this incident would have really hit that community very hard. Uh, and so we send all our thoughts to those affected in this moment. We've got a lot to talk about on this show. So let's get into it next. New Zealand beating Norway, opening game wow. of the World Cup. Absolutely huge. I go back to our wonderful chat with Ali Riley, and if you haven't listened to it, please check it out on one of our preview shows. She was amazing to talk to. Lots of people in women's football know a lot about her already. But when we spoke to her, the, th the thing that Ali said was, to be honest, my ambition and my hope for this tournament is that we win a game. New Zealand have never won a match at the World Cup. They hadn't won a match in 12 months before they beat Vietnam in the in the friendly warm-ups before this tournament. So, Jilly, the fact that they beat Norway with the, their absolutely stacked squad in the opening game at home, what an emotional, incredible moment. Yeah, and I think you could say it was probably written in the stars as well that they was going to get their first their first World Cup win. I'll be honest, I was really disappointed with Norway though. I think with the the players that they've got, the ability that they've got, I think they were stout. Um, and I don't know whether sometimes as well, you're playing against the host nation, you could tell there was that first game um, nerves as well. Just didn't look like they was on the same page. They didn't look like they knew what they was doing. Um, but credit to New Zealand as well. And I was, their goal was... Beautiful. Incredible. Like, for, for me, when I was watching it, I was even thinking, the centre-back took the goal kick. It was pinpoint uh, pass. Like, I don't think in the whole time of me playing football, I would have been able to hit that pass. Harsh. Well, on yourself. You know, maybe. But maybe I'll have to look back at my clips. But it, she literally got it there, and it was one touch, bang into the middle, one touch around the corner. Um, f unbelievable pass across the box as well, and a fantastic finish. But... It was. It weren't just like a scrappy goal from New Zealand. It was literally off the training pitch, um, and obviously then they had the the penalty as well that they unfortunately missed. But yeah, I think you looked at the scenes at the end. There was all run on the pitch. Obviously, Ali Riley was crying. Her interview was so emotional and so just real. Um, yeah, I couldn't be more chuffed for New Zealand. You were you had shed some tears. Didn't oh, you, Becky? so many tears this morning. Like even before the game, watching Ali Riley walk out, like the smile on her face was just like. Wow, belting the national yeah, anthem. Yeah, well. it was just lovely, and so and you, I don't. I think it's you don't. Ex no one expected them really to take a win from that. So those scenes at the end are like so special, and like they'll remember them forever. And it is. We spoke in our preview shows about how New Zealand hosting and Australia hosting have been viewed very differently in the build-up. There's been lots of talk about how New Zealand aren't footballing nation, and we spoke to Ali about that too. And you know, their big sports are. Rugby, cricket, netball, they're not a footballing nation. And that even stems to the fact that there isn't exactly a free-to-air linear broadcast deal in New Zealand to watch the games. Sky New Zealand, not related to Sky UK Europe, they are showing the games, all of the matches, but they are a pay TV service. So to watch the free-to-air games, which includes the New Zealand games and the knockout rounds, you have to you get free access, but you have to watch it through their streaming platform. So on Linear Television, there isn't a free-to-view availability, which just shows, Jilly, like how football is viewed. And they broke the record today for a football match in New Zealand, the biggest crowd there's ever been. So even though we talk about the legacy of the Matildas and we talk about, you know, the, the real status of women's football and how it's growing in Australia, actually, arguably, 
New Zealand could have a much bigger impact and really change things in their country for football as a whole, not even just women's football. Yeah, and I think you're looking at this, probably this tournament, there's been a lot of talk of Australia, you know, hosting. And in, in all honesty, there's been times when I forgot that New Zealand are actually even hosting it. Um, but yeah, I think all the New Zealand players can do is let their feet do the talking. You know, that today, that result... It should make people wake up in New Zealand and go, listen, right, they might not be one of the best teams in the world, but they've got the fight, they've got the character. Look at the people that turned out today to watch them. And it's like, you're talking about our game over in England, how that's changed over the, over the years. Like, for people to get into a sport, they have to be able to see it. You have to give them the exposure. So it's not even on free telly. Like I'm talking about when I first started... I used to watch the FA Cup final because that was only the one game really of women's football that was on the telly and up for, for people on BBC One to watch. So it was the free one. So it's it's madness that it's not on there. There's so many people that... Because we were having a look before. The fact that it took us so long to find the information about who was broadcasting in New Zealand says enough. But it is being broadcast for free. Some bits of it um, still unclear. But it's the people that you miss out that probably aren't going searching for it, aren't like, I really want to watch this. I'm going to sign up for this streaming platform that I'm going to be able to watch it for free. It's like if it's on your like main channel, you're going to pick up so many young girls who might not have ever thought about it. So it's a real shame that they can't, they haven't put it on like their main channels. And we know that prime time, you know, it's prime time, evening time for them. But let's go back to the game itself because... Jilly, New Zealand just came out with this energy and this confidence and this urgency. And I go back to the fact that they've never won a World Cup game before. They'd barely won a game in the last year. They hadn't won a game at home since 2012 until they won that game against Vietnam. So for a team that is should be on paper very low on confidence and belief, they came out there so ready and wanted to dominate every 50-50 they were pressing Norway really hard and they looked really good on the ball. And we saw those two Hannah Wilkinson early chances where she just ran in, in behind. And Ellen White was reflecting in BBC's halftime kind of punditry that Wilkinson's not super speedy, but the the sort of sluggish and slowness of a really poor Norway back line just exposed themselves completely and Wilkerson just had the run on them every time they could have got a few goals quite early and obviously we don't see the goal until the second half but New Zealand just all over them yeah and I think with Wilkinson as well what she's good at is like you said she's not super quick but she uses her body really well she's big like, and she don't give up like there's times when the ball was going and you thought it's going to run away from her or the Norway defender was going to be there and she just had that in her that she wanted to be the first one to the ball and I think you looked at across the whole of the New Zealand team they was like that but sometimes I think in a team when you not that you know you're not good but I, I talk you're looking at that the first year of West Ham we weren't the greatest team but what we had was we had the fight we had the togetherness we had the team spirit and it's sort of that there's no pressure on that on New Zealand going into the game today because quite a lot of people would have thought that they would have lost the game especially against the Norway you're talking about their front three or front four the players that they've got you would have expected a Norway win today so when you don't have that pressure but you've got thousands of people backing you you sort of lose that fear. We're just like, we don't care. We'd rather New Zealand go for it and potentially lose two or three nil than just sit back and wonder what if. We've got to talk about Jackie Hand's brilliant ball into the box for the Wilkinson goal. Rhea Percival as well. She was outstanding, nearly scored. Unfortunately, missed the penalty, Jilly, which 
is is a shame because it would have been the perfect kind of capping off of this journey back to the pitch for her because she's been out for a year with an ACL injury and um, I think it was Robin Cowan on comms reflecting that the doctor said to her when she saw her ACL tear that was one of the worst they'd ever seen. And you know her from playing with her at West Ham. I mean, tell us what kind of player she is, what kind of person she is as well. Oh, she's a fantastic person, but she's one of them players who, she's an athlete, you know, she was in the gym, she was in great shape, she was, you know, very physical, um, looked after herself. So when it sort of happened, like, I think anyone, we know what the talk is about ACLs, anyone getting that, like, you worry from sort of mentally as well as a player and as a person, but... For me, when she done it, I thought there's no one really who I know stronger to come back from this. And obviously the thing, the first thing I thought of was the World Cup with it being her home nation, I thought. And and obviously Rhea's a bit older than me as well. So you then think, ah, oh, how gutting it being that World Cup. She potentially might miss, but yeah, you see her in the gym. I think she's even more ripped than what she was before <laughs> she got injured. Like maybe I'm thinking now she'll have done my ACL because then maybe I would have been ripped afterwards. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm gutted for her that she missed the penalty. I think it was a good penalty anyway, like just a little bit low and it had been top bins. But yeah, she's a, a great human and she'll bounce back for me as well. Uh, Rhea Percival 2.0 then. She's really just going for it. Um, she's having a new era as well, like all of us this summer. Love it. She's having a brand change. <laughs> I think it was um, it was probably a good thing that obviously it didn't get too nervy towards the end. Otherwise, she would have been absolutely gutted if Norway had got an equaliser. Or but but she... I don't think they ever really looked like having well, an equaliser. Right? So... Um, before we get onto Norway's really poor performance, want to wrap up with New Zealand though because they've got the Philippines next. Win that game, they're through. I don't think anyone would have seen that coming. Philippines is you know arguably their easiest game of the group. Philippines are going to struggle in this tournament. So it's looking really good that we could see potentially both co-hosts going through to the next round, which is really important for the competition, isn't it, Jilly? Yeah, that's huge. And I think they'll take great confidence because they're probably going to look at it. They probably would have thought Noe would have been the, the hardest test in that group. But yeah, I think they can take huge confidence. They've got three points. You know, they've got a clean sheet. They they get to win the next game they're through. Like, that's incredible. And like you said, you want really the host nation to go as far as possible because they're going to naturally bring, especially in New Zealand, they're going to naturally bring a lot more people to the games, which is what you want. A word as well on just New Zealand as a whole because Rhea Purcell obviously plays in the WSL, so it's fully professional. Her rehab, her comeback, you know, she's, you said she's been in the gym. It's going to be a bit easier for a player like her, but someone like Hannah Wilkinson is playing in a league that's not fully professional. You've got lots of players who are semi-pro on part-time deals and contracts, working other jobs. The players that play in the A-League today up against a squad of players that all play in Europe in professional leagues, it was night and day. It was like watching grown adults against kids. The physicality, the pace, the stamina, the speed, the endurance, everything. It was just so off. And I think that was even more impressive, Becky, to watch that and be like, wow, you guys are just more up for it and in better shape. I just also, you know, you say like they play they play in Europe. It's not just that these players are like some of the best in the world, like featuring in like the UEFA team of the season. That's the kind of standard of player that Norway have. And they just looked awful. I was really anxious actually at half time for New Zealand because I thought I really don't want Norway to go in at half time get their shit together and come out and have New Zealand like rue those chances that they missed because they did have throughout the game like many chances it, it, like you said it wasn't like 
it wasn't like they've just come out and got like a bit of a um, sneaky goal and then gone like 10 at the back. They really like played well. And yeah, it was just, it was really lovely to see. I wrote down in my notes, I love the World Cup because that's what you just love to see. Players who are like semi-professional coming out and like putting on performances of a lifetime to beat like these players who are the best in the world. They're on the front foot from the off, which you have to really respect the fact that they went for it. A funny tweet from Thomas Airy who tweeted us, after the game saying, how silly is it going to look when the football ferns win the World Cup in Sydney (laughs) rather than New Zealand? I like that optimism, Thomas. I really like it. So I'm ready for the football ferns journey. Let's talk about Norway, though, because we saw them completely bomb out of the Women's Euros and it was a devastating blow for Norwegian women's football. It caused this whole kind of inward look and assessment of things. I don't think they looked very deep. Well, they brought in Hegeriza, obviously a legend on the pitch for them. And we've seen her in England as part of the uh, interim England coach and also took GB to the Olympics. No one was really blown away by her. She plays quite kind of negative football. She's not particularly ambitious coach, but she's smart and she's organised and you at least expect to get that with her. But Jilly, they were so poor today. And a lot of people tweeting us saying, like, what the hell has happened to Norway to follow up the Euros with this, given the players they have, the decline is really concerning. Yeah, and I think I was obviously watching the game and Rachel Brown Finnis said that it just looked like the Norwegian players didn't even have a clue what was going on. Um, and like I said to use off it, like I weren't really impressed with that Hegarisa with England, with Team GB. And it's sometimes like, it's no disrespect, but I think when you've got such attacking players as they have, Sometimes it's if the management is a bit old school, you know, then you're holding back those players and sometimes necessarily not too sure what to do with them and how to get the best out of them. But you're looking at like Guru, who had an incredible season for Chelsea. To be honest, it didn't. I didn't even notice that she was on the pitch. And it's mad how, you've said it over the years, how players can play club and then they go away with country, for example, and they light up and then they come back to club and they're poor. And then vice versa, there's players who light up at club and then go away to country and ain't got a clue what's going on. And yeah, I was just really disappointed by them. I just think they was, um, yeah, I just think defensively, obviously you had quite young back line, but obviously Marin was in there holding the fault. But I was just really uh, not impressed by their forward line. I think you look at this team and you think like, this should be the golden era of Norwegian women's football. That team is so stacked. And it just doesn't make any sense. And I think, I mean, obviously it just like shines a light on like how important it is to have a coach that knows how to get the best out of those players because they are incredible. And there's, there is no excuse really for how badly they played today. Yeah, they certainly look like they lacked a sense of identity, direction and and style of play. There is something of a too many cooks with this. They've got such a talented group. It's like, right. Obviously, outside the defence where they're playing who they can right now in, in, in many ways, that's definitely the weakest part of their team by far. But when you look at the midfield and the front line, it's like there's so much quality. They don't know how to fit all those pieces of the puzzle in together. Ingrid Engen had a terrible game. I saw a, a tweet from Alex Stewart who tweeted this kind of viz of 
all the passes that she misplaced, some of them like, you know, really, really short, simple passes that a player of her ability playing at Barcelona should not be missing. few people tweeting me saying, can't believe, you know, Vilda Boris is not starting in this team. We know that she didn't start loads for Mark Skinner, but maybe we'll see her in the next game. But they need to seriously switch things up. Etta Hegerberg, we know her season was damaged and interrupted by injury, but she's one of the best players in the world. We saw sparks of what Caroline Grahamson can do in this game. And you mentioned Gura Wrighton, but Jilly, how are they going to turn things around in the rest of this group? They can if they win those other two games, but they really need to figure it out fast. Yeah, maybe this is the sort of the kick up the backside really that they, they needed um, because they probably were going into today's game expecting the three points um, and they've not got them. And it's just, that's what tournament football is. You know, if you don't pick up the points when you should be picking them up, then those games that seem to be a bit more easy become a little bit more tougher and harder. Um, but yeah, it's just, they all just all seem to be on, on different, different wavelengths. But this is when sometimes as well, when, players are not too sure this is when they need to really get together and they can take ownership as well you know they're they're senior players but if obviously they're trying to follow tactics or whatever and it's not working but maybe they also didn't expect New Zealand to come out the way they did maybe they expected them just to sit in a block and sort of be in a possession game so that sort of could have thrown them as well but yeah I just expected a bit a lot more from Norway. Um, I just have one more point to make on this game before we move on is that Hannah Wilkinson Um, So I'm going to read you her personal life on Wikipedia. Aside from soccer, Wilkinson says she enjoys playing the drums and guitar and surfing. She released two singles on Spotify, Waiting for the Sun and Set Me Free. So everybody get onto Spotify right now and listen. Also the last part, which is obviously what I was looking for when I went onto her personal life section of Wikipedia, Wilkinson is openly gay. So we love that. (laughs) Up the quiz, the first person to score a goal at the World Cup 2023. Gay. What a way to get things going. Let's talk about the other host nation next. So it was two out of two for the hosts today. Australia beating Ireland 1-0. It probably wasn't as commanding and as dominating as maybe a lot of Aussie fans would have expected. A lot of us would have expected. For me, it was giving England's opener against Austria in the Euros last summer, which was a solid 1-0 win, but backs against the wall and nervy at times. Let's start with Australia, Jilly, because... We have to talk about the big news before kickoff. Sam Kerr, literally minutes before the game started, it was announced that Sam Kerr was going to miss the first two games of the tournament, picking up a calf injury in training. It's so frustrating and so sad because obviously she's like the poster girl for the for the tournament, one of the biggest names at the World Cup. She's the captain. She is you know one of their most important players. But also she's not really missed a minute this entire season really she has carried Chelsea when they've had players injured and now of all days is when she's going to miss a game for Australia it was really gutting yeah and it happened match day minus one as well which is just like the most not pointless training session but nine times out of ten it's just a training session to get you ticking over and you know like doing set piece or whatever but yeah, I think it was a, a huge um, loss for Australia. You, you feel gutted for her as well because of the whole it being host nation or like you said, the captain, the poster girl. And But I also think in the game, Australia really missed her. You know, and I think 
Ireland centre-backs must have been buzzing when they found <laughs> out the news because she caused... I mean, I watched Chelsea versus Liverpool this year with Neve Fahey and she caused Neve a lot of problems. Um, and like you said, she's she's got Chelsea through this season. So... I think yeah, I think they just they just lost that threat. Obviously, you had Fowler and and Caitlin Ford up there, and obviously they did their best, but then neither of them know Sam Kerr, you know. And it was just um, I think just the presence she brings to the team, and you know the constant chasing the balls down, and she's just got that fight in her. I think yeah, I mean I, I was gutted that she missed this game. Obviously, they're saying that potentially the next game as well, but I'm hoping that's a little bit of mind games, and she's okay for the next one because I think you know Australia needs Sam Kerr and she she needs to be on that pitch for him we've seen Australia dominate in some of their warm-up games and dominate in some of their friendly fixtures in the past year but I think what this match really showed is that when it comes to tournament football it is very different even if you're playing really well even if you're feeling good the whole dynamic just changes the nerves will be different won't they Jilly because it it just it just becomes a different environment the pressure's there another record crowd for them over 70,000 and you could just tell everything kind of shifted and credit to Ireland because they set up really defensively which is how they play but they knew that Australia were going to need space in behind to work with and Ireland just denied them that space and the men Australia had to play quite slowly had to try and play through Ireland and and find you know find ways of doing kind of slower build-up play which is not always how they like to you know do things they like to be fast on the ball they like to attack with speed and sometimes pick off teams but, but Ireland just aren't going to do that because they don't really want the ball so it, I guess it wasn't surprising that we maybe saw it play out like this but certainly when it comes to like how Australia are right now the energy and the the vibes around them it probably wouldn't have been the way that they wanted to start the tournament with a 1-0 win through a penalty so it's going to be interesting how they kind of roll through and assess this because they're going to need to deliver more and have a bit of a backup plan if other teams set up like this as well yeah and I do think again it's sort of what we just said about New Zealand it being the first game you know you can tell that there's nerves there you had a sellout crowd and it is no matter how how much of an experienced player you are, those things are the things you can't control. And, and sometimes you can't control your nerves with it as well. Um, but yeah, I think obviously as the game, as the tournament goes on, they'll get into, they'll grow into, grow into it and get more confidence. But I just think for them, it's, it's one of them ones with a tournament where no one's going to really care when you're picking up the points and you're getting three points. Not that people don't care about the performance, but, it's the result that's the main thing. Like, you could have had Australia played the game of their lives today and, and come away with a draw. What's the point? You know, and sometimes it is just in tournament football, it's about how you win and getting the wins. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think as well, they Ireland done a lot of 2v1. So they like backed up each other. And I don't think Australia necessarily liked that. I mean, Rasso was just getting booted <laughs> from one side of the pitch to the other. Um, but Ireland were really defensively solid and they they got their foot stuck in and it's sort of that not arrogance but I think with Australia a little bit it's a bit like they I saw it in the England game as well um when they beat England it was a bit like why are you kicking me you know sort of so and I think they didn't expect that necessarily from Ireland but yeah I mean the main thing is that they got the result and they got the points yeah what you said about Ireland defending they were doing it really well but the uh, apart from the end like 10 minutes where I feel like they had like a load of chances and we were like going a bit mad in the bar 
they were struggling so much to like get back into like when they had a couple of chances in like the first half or early in the second half they really just had no one else to back up that one striker that had got the ball and if they do want to get out of this group which I think depending on how Nigeria Canada goes I think that second spot is like very much up for grabs for those other three teams they're really going to need to work out a different way of doing it or like a, a way of bringing that intensity of those last 10 minutes earlier in the game and it's it's exhausting and that game I think was really intense from both sides and I was a bit like how are they going to keep this up for this whole game um but I, I mean they did because that last 10 minutes was a bit wild they came very close to getting an equalizer and they really did play well which and creating opportunities is hard for Ireland and they and they did manage to I think Lucy Quinn made a massive impact when she came on Katie McCabe had that brilliant chance late on where she just kind of scuffed it and didn't make good connection from like eight ten yards out we know Ireland can get down and dirty they like being physical they kind of can play this sort of like troll football where they'll make you kind of slow things down and get physical to their level Carl's asked a question about how they play the rest of their group fixtures because if they'd managed to start this tournament off with a nil-nil against Australia it would have put them in a really good position going into the Canada and Nigeria games they're still in with a shot and I suppose this shows performance wipes what they can do Jilly but they need to really now go for it in the Canada game and really now go for it in the Nigeria game. Like you said, Becky, those last 10 minutes showed them what they can do when they are proactive and they get up the pitch. But it's not the way that they normally play. It's also not necessarily the way that's suited to their skill set and the ability of their squad. But they're just going to have to just go for it. Yeah, and I mean, I did tweet and said about, obviously, Leanne Keane and not winning the squad because I think in a game like that, like, she's got pace you know and she no matter how experienced you are as a player yeah you can get yourself in good positioning but if you use players to the best of their ability and their strengths a ball over the top for Australia getting Australia centre-backs defenders to keep constantly turning and running for me she would have been she should have been on the plane like she would have been one of the first people because she offers something different to what um, Ireland already have and if you're sort of trying to play the counter-attacking football you need that outlet so yeah, I think it's about knowing um, what to do and obviously who to bring on. But I also think they can take confidence in the fact of the last 10 minutes. I mean, it was so transitional, but Ireland were going for it. Could it have been maybe doing that for the last 20 minutes, you know, yeah. and, and doing it a little bit earlier? Because so I don't think you can play like that for the whole game. You can't. Because it's too, it's too intense and they they would have conceded. And that's also that what Australia want you to do. They want you to yeah. play that and give them space and play on the counter-attack. So they saved it for the right moments and unsettled them. But in a way, they're just going to have to be better on the ball when they get into the right areas. Because there's so many moments where you're like, you're edge of the box or you're putting a good cross in and there just wasn't there, wasn't anyone there to deliver. They had tons of corners as well, loads of set pieces. It was a very like free kick, foul heavy game. So I think they just need to think about how they make the most of the areas that they get into. They had plenty of corners in the second half of the game, plenty of free kicks as well. And it was a very physical game. And that's how that penalty comes about. You've got to really feel for Marissa Shiva giving away that penalty. And she was really heartbroken on the bench afterwards in tears. But it was a pen. I mean, it was like a WWE wrestling move thrown to the ground. I don't know if I do feel for her. <laughs> what, you just Sorry, think does that make me stupid? a bitch? I think it's really stupid. It will, but then, but that's why she's crying because she knows it as well. Yeah. She's like, why yeah. did I do that? That's what happens in those sorts of physical games when you you just kind of get lost in the moment. But it was a really good pen, Jilly, from Steph Catley. 
with Steph Catley, I mean, it was a, it was a great penalty. You know, in, in you're talking the situation, the scenario, she was calm, she was composed, um, and she, she had a great finish. And obviously she stepped up in regards to the captaincy as well and, and so late on with that too. Um, I think she's been great for Arsenal this season as well, come back from quite a serious injury too. Um, but yeah, that's what you want. You want the, the that player, that sort of calm, composed player to just put it in and, and obviously gets the important three points for Australia. Australia without Sam Kerr are a different beast. Jilly, do you think this performance is down mainly to her absence? Do you think it's kind of a reality check of Australia without Sam Kerr and how important she is? Do you think it's more the first game nerves and they need time to warm up? Like lots of people had them as one of the favourites for this. Obviously, we know like part of that is just vibes and fun. But do you also think there's a little bit of a kind of sense of actually maybe they're not as good as we first thought? I think I think it's a combined um, of, of all three probably, but no, I think you have to when you don't have Sam Kerr, you have to learn to play different because of what she offers to Australia um, in regards to the balls in the box, the if they want to turn around defenses, what she can do for a centre back. So when you don't have Sam Kerr and you have someone like Mary Fowler, who's a completely different player, you then have to try and change your game as well to adapt to the player coming in. And it's it's not easy, you know, and it probably, with it being so close to the game, you just sort of wonder how much they have planned and trained without Sam Kerr in that team, you know. So she is a, a big loss for him. And I think she's just such a big presence. I think she's one of them players where you could, she could have a 90-minute game, she could be quiet for 85 minutes but she steps up when she needs to. Um, so I think Australia looked to her a lot. I do think the obviously, I mean, I think when they played against England and they beat England, I know England, I think, was really poor. But I thought well, Australia played really well in that game too. I do think it's a combination of first game nerves. Um, you know, there is, there's so much eyes on this tournament. And I feel like as well, from the season ending to the tournament starting, it feels like ages, you know, and it's everyone's counting down to the 20th and there's all the media eyes on it now. And so many people are going out there. There'll be a combination of things. But I think the main thing for them is, listen, you, you, lo you lose Sam Kerr match day minus one. You know, you you have a huge record crowd. There is the nerves. The main thing is you've got the three points. Performance, right, it's not pretty, but you have to deal with what Ireland give them as well. Um, but yeah, the main thing is they've got the three points and on to the next game. It wasn't only the World Cup games happening today because everyone decided that they wanted to drop news <laughs> in the middle of the bloody tournament happening. So in the middle of New Zealand's game, we got... FIFA dropping the new men's world rankings unnecessary. It's it's your own tournament, lads. Why would you just you're, wait? Also, your comms team are busy doing also, things. Also, like you're like oh I, no, I'm we don't have time for me to get into how annoying it is. And then we also had Birmingham announcing Hope Powell <laughs> as their new women's technical director, literally in the middle of the game. Just wait. And then credit to West Ham announcing Rianne Skinner because they did that at least after the matches had been finished because. If you want this to be a really nice, exciting announcement, also involving someone like Hope Powell, who's kind of a legend of the game, don't drop it in the middle of the match. Anyway, um, that's just the, you know, first podcast, first day of the World Cup, first gripes from us at Counter Press Towers. First show done of the World Cup. How's it feel, guys? I, I feel on top of the world. Jilly, feeling I, good? I am ready for the, what was the, what's the wake up call tomorrow? 
What time is the first Half game? Three a.m. I'm there. I'm ready. <laughs> I won't be doing that. I'm sorry. I'll be watching the highlights in the morning. It's uh, yeah. It's going to be a very exciting month. We're going to be back on Saturday talking about the England game, of course, as well as Denmark's match against China and Zambia against Japan and USA Vietnam. Saturday is busy, man. And USA. I guess the games that happen tomorrow too. Yeah, we will oh, be Saturday touching on some of those. But bumper episodes. USA Vietnam is 2am, our time. Yeah, I will, I'll be watching the highlights. I'll be rolling through from Friday <laughs> night. I don't actually have any plans, so um, yeah. And then we'll be back on Sunday. Anyway, we're going to be here loads during the World Cup. So just keep your eyes peeled to the Counterpress feed wherever you get your pods on Spotify, of course, and our social media. If you haven't listened to the Rachel Daly episode, check it out now. We've got some great clips as well of her shopping trips to Home Bargains. What's your favourite bargain place? I feel like you, Jilly, would be a great bargain shopper. I don't know, you're just giving that vibe. No, do you know what, right? My bargains is when I go food shopping. Like, do you know what I mean? Like Yellow stickers. Yeah, like the, the, the home brand. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can just save so much. Yeah. Save so much rather than paying like four quid for angel slices, for example. <laughs> Shout out angel slices, £4.30. You can go and get something else, devil slices for like <laughs> 80p, mate. Jilly Flatty's bargain tips that's, of the week. That's maybe we'll a new do counter-pressed one, feature. Yeah, maybe we'll do one every time you're on during the World Cup. We'll do like your latest tip for yeah, fighting for the cost of living. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so check check out the Rachel Daly episode. Check out, obviously, our conversation with Ali Riley from our previews. There is still time to listen to preview shows too because we've only started on groups A and B, so there's plenty of time. And we'll be back again on Saturday. See you then. <laughs> <laughs>